0: Hey, welcome to episode number 224 of More Than Bread. And if you're following along as the episodes drop, welcome to 2024. Episode number 224 on the first day of 2024. Couldn't couldn't plan that any better than I did. So my name is Dan and together we've made our way to 2024 and for this very first episode of 2024, I'm going to dive into some of Christ's words on prayer. At Calvary right now, we're beginning a week of prayer to begin the year. And if you haven't joined us yet, you can go to calvarysc.org slash new year, new year one word, calvarysc.org slash new year for more info. Or you can go directly to praying247.org, as in praying 247, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G 247 24/7, praying 247.org and sign up. Join us in this week of prayer. I think it's one of the most important things that we do. And, and, you know, there is an interesting connection between prayer and the Word of God. If you were to ask me which matters more, prayer or the Word, I would say it's a bit like breathing. What matters more, breathing in or breathing out? <laughs> it depends on which one comes next. We need both, right? This is the rhythm of life. It it begins when we breathe in His words, breathe in the Word, and we breathe out prayer. Soak your soul in the Word and then lift up your heart to God in prayer. This might be the most important rhythm of life. Sometimes it seems like prayer gets all the press when it comes to, to God at work, right? But it always begins with listening. We breathe in the Word of God and we breathe out prayer. Eugene Peterson called prayer the second word. In other words, prayer is meant to be our response to God's words. Without the Word, without the Word, without the Word, prayer becomes a just a one-sided conversation. That's why I think so many of us get bored with prayer, George Mueller, who is one of my heroes of the faith, because of his life of prayer, at one point he was convicted of the priority of the word. And he he said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about, he wrote, was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner being might be nourished. Before this time, he wrote, my practice had been, at least for 10 years previously, as a habitual thing to give myself to prayer after having dressed myself in the morning. And now I saw that instead the first thing, the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditate on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and that thus by means of the Word of God. While meditating on it, my heart might be brought into experimental, experiential communion with the Lord. That's where good prayer comes from. It's, it's time in the Word that leads to power in prayer. Time in the Word is breathing in, and time in prayer is breathing out. So as we head into 2024, as we head into a new year and a week of 24-7 prayer, here are the words on prayer that came from Jesus to inspire a persevering heart of prayer for a new year. I'm reading Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8 from the New International Version. Listen as I read. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. He refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God and I don't care what other people think, and yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We ought always pray and never give up, never lose heart. Our perseverance in prayer is an act of faith in Jesus. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you're still alive, there is a purpose for your living. God must not be finished with you yet. There's a a purpose in this, not just in the suffering, but a purpose in being given more time, more life. God has something important for you to do, a life to touch, something to do, someone to save In America, we say you have unfinished business. Listen, you don't need an experience where you almost died to know that you have unfinished business. God is not through with you yet. He has a purpose for your life. How do we respond to that? The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sins that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. See, the the writer is saying, "You, you have unfinished business. Don't quit. Don't give up. There's a race to run. God has a purpose for your life. Persevere. Keep trying. Don't give up. Finish well. Every great human accomplishment requires perseverance you probably know that I have a heart for Myanmar. We have friends there that I consider family. And so I know something about their history. Last July was the 210th anniversary of one of the great missionaries to Burma, Adoniram Judson. And if you would have known Judson when he was young, young, according to the stories, you never would have thought he would be a missionary and do great things for God. He was a genius. He could read at the age of three solved difficult math problems at the age of 10 and was placed in the highest university class of his day at the age of 16. He was incredibly ambitious. And and his father said one day that he would be a great man. And that's what Judson wanted. He wanted to be a, a great politician, a great leader, a great speaker, a great poet, a great preacher, whatever. He wanted to be great. In fact, when he was 10, he would gather the village children around him, get up on a chair and would preach the gospel to them. He grew up in a Christian home, but for a while as a young man, he left God. A good friend was leading him away from God, but then that good friend died. And from that moment on, God convicted him and captured his heart to do his work, his purposes. One night he was listening to a speaker, and the speaker said these words. He said, if the Lord wants you for a missionary, he will send that word home to your hearts. And if he does so, you neglect it at your peril. In that moment, Judson knew that God was speaking to him. I, I can't tell you the whole story, and some of you may already know it, but he traveled to India where he met William Carey, and soon God put it on his heart to go to Burma, to Myanmar. Eventually, after a very long, hard trip, he reached Rangoon, Yangon, now it's called, in July of 1813, half dead with sickness and discomfort. It was a hard mission. They had very little, almost no financial support. The land was ruled by brutal tyrants. Murder and robbery happened around them every day. The mission house was close to the spot where public ex- executions were constantly taking place. All around them rose the pagodas where the Buddha was adored, and in every street were seen the lamaseries or the homes of the priests. Almost one of every thirty men at that time were priests. Judson and his wife recorded that their first day in Burma was the most gloomy and distressing that that ever they had passed. And if you know Judson's story, his time as a missionary to Burma was filled with great difficulty, great hardship, the death of many in his family. But what was it that kept him going? He believed that God had a purpose for his life and he would not quit until that purpose was finished. Shortly before his death, he said, I'm not tired of my work, neither am I tired of the world. Yet when Christ calls me home, I shall go with gladness. My point of the story is just simply, if you're still living, God has a purpose for you and you have unfinished business. And part of that purpose, Jesus says, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. That's one of our purposes for living. That's part of our unfinished business, that we should always pray and never give up. Jesus starts out by telling us why he's telling the story. You know, a lot of times when Jesus told a parable, he wouldn't tell the meaning. He wanted the listeners to kind of grapple with the meaning without being fed the answer. But in this case, the moral of the story is so important that Jesus tells it up front. Don't miss this. He says, I'm going to tell you a story. And I want the story to always remind you the fact that we should always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. But it's difficult, isn't it? To always pray and never give up. We struggle with unanswered prayers and we struggle with people and circumstances staying the same no matter what we do or what we pray. And I think sometimes we have a hunch that maybe God is tired of us praying the same prayers. I mean, just ask yourself right now where have I given up in prayer? Maybe it's a person or a relationship, maybe it's a grand dream or a small annoyance. But whatever it is, the point came where you just said, that's it. I'm done. I give up. I'm not going to pray for that anymore. But just don't miss the fact that Jesus values perseverance in prayer. That's why he told this story. He told this story so that we would never give up and always pray. Uh, a widow in Jesus' day was the person nobody wanted to be. She was powerless. She had no money to speak of. A few widows mites. It was likely that someone was trying to take advantage of her de- defenselessness she had no protector she had a very low social standing all she had all she all she had was her per- persistence her perseverance her cause was just she had a good reason for coming to the judge her coming wasn't frivolous the reason the judge was ignoring her was because he didn't fear god and he didn't care about people but she had a cause she had a just cause that she cared about now think about this for a moment the bible is full of average often in the world's eyes below average people with a just cause and a never quit attitude who are so often part of great kingdom moments but why was this woman so persistent how could it be that she never gave up (laughs) actually she was persistent because of her helplessness she had nowhere else to turn she believed in her cause. She wanted what she was asking for. She had nowhere else to turn. If I want to, if we want to develop perseverance in prayer, step one is we need to embrace our helplessness. That's what I'm asking you to do in 2024. Do it better than you've ever done it before. Embrace your helplessness. Embrace your helplessness. Embrace your brokenness. See, one of the problems we have is that no one wants to be broken. No one, nobody wants to be helpless. We don't like to be helpless. We we want to be strong. So when we can't change something, we give up. We say, oh, it wasn't worth it anyway. I did everything I could. Nothing could change this. But Jesus says, never give up and always pray. Never give up and always pray. Always pray, never give up. You see how those two things go together? Jesus isn't just saying never give up on prayer. He's also saying sometimes the only way to not give up is to pray. Sometimes the only thing you can do is pray. And if we fail to do the only thing we can do, then we have indeed given up but here's the deal. You and God have unfinished business. (laughs) You've heard that statement, God helps those who help themselves. (laughs) Not only is that not in the Bible, I think it might be the attitude that got Satan into trouble. God helps those who can't help themselves. In fact, O. Hallisby in a classic book on prayer says, listen, my friend, your helplessness is your best prayer. It calls from your heart to the heart of God with greater effect than all your uttered pleas. He hears from the moment that you're seized with helplessness, and he becomes actively engaged at once in hearing and answering. What of our deepest need today, the deepest need for the church today, is not better plans and planners. What of our deepest need is for powerful people of God, people of prayer who exhibit in every area of their lives the awesome, unspeakable power of God. It won't happen if we don't realize how desperate we are. Part of our problem in America is that we don't realize how desperate we are. We we have so much money, so many resources, so many people in our churches, so many Christians that sometimes we think we can do it on our own without God. We we don't think we're desperate. But without desperation, we will not pray well. So what do we do? Ask God for desperate circumstances? Maybe. But But you know what? I think we're already more desperate than we know. I mean, look around you at all the things that matter to us that you cannot change on your own. We're all more helpless and more desperate than we know, and we need to pray like people who are helpless pray. Pray like God is our only hope. But for us today, it's not just our helplessness that will cause us to persevere in prayer. In verses six and eight, it says, six through eight, it says, then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, this is Jesus talking. I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? It's it's not just our helplessness that will lead to a movement of unending prayer. It's hopefulness. So step two has to be embrace his hopefulness. I will embrace his hopefulness. I will embrace the hope of God. Jesus uses the story to contrast an unrighteous judge who didn't care about people with the Father God who loves people. He says, imagine how much more hope you have than even this widow. You know what I found? I found we can be pretty persistent about things that we value if we have hope that our persistence will pay off <laughs> when my kids were little they'd come to me and ask for something it doesn't matter what it was a gift a dessert money if i would say no do you think they would quit asking no <laughs> they never quit and why did they quit asking because they had hope in my goodness they had hope that i love them that i believe that god loves you and is good to you and has made promises to love you and be good to you i believe god has made promises that involve you your neighborhood, our region, your workplace, your school. And you see, if I have faith in God, then I will have great hope in the promises of God. And if I, if I have hope in God's promises, it, it will lead me to pray because time and time again, the Bible tells me that God values those who do not give up and always pray. See, we all have some unfinished business, right? But here's where I want to close. <laughs> do you know that God also has unfinished business? You know, For many of us, as we go into this New Year, there's not a whole lot of difference between a wish and a New Year's resolution. I think the only difference is that with a wish, we've already acknowledged that what we hope for, we can't attain on our own. So we wish. But what makes a resolution not a wish? See, when God makes a res- resolution, it's not a wish, it's a promise. I'm not the world's greatest resolution maker or keeper, but you know who is? God is. God is the all-time great resolution maker and keeper. What God resolves to do, he will do. If God resolves it, I'm telling you, it'll happen. Here's the deal. What God resolves to do, he will do. If God resolves it, it'll happen. In fact, let me share some of God's resolutions with you. You can look for more of these later. They all involve you. And so you can just fill in the blanks with your name. I don't know all the people who are listening, but you know your name. So just fill in the blanks with your name. Here's some of God's resolutions. Be it resolved. Nothing will ever be able to separate your name. Nothing will ever be able to separate Dan from my love. Romans 8, 31 through 39. Be it resolved, I will never leave or abandon, fill in the blank. I'll never leave or abandon Dan, Hebrews thirteen five, Be it resolved, the good work I've begun in Dan, fill in the blank for your name. The good work I've begun in Dan, I'll finish it, Philippians 1, 6. Be it resolved, if Dan keeps on asking, I will answer, Luke 11 and Luke 18. What is the good work that God is doing in and through you? What is the good work he has resolved to do? He's doing in and through someone you care about. Hear me on this. He has resolved. He will finish it. And if you keep on asking, you get to join him in the process. Let me pray for you. Father God, on this first day of a new year, I love your resolutions that nothing will ever be able to separate us from your love that you'll never leave or abandon us, that the good work you've begun in us, you will finish it. And if we keep on asking, you will answer. There's so many more God resolutions like that. God, I pray for each and every person listening as we head into a new year, that you would help us to embrace our helplessness and embrace your hopefulness. That'll lead us to prayer, that the time that we spend in the word would fuel our time in prayer, that we would listen to your voice and then let you listen to ours, that it wouldn't just be a one-sided conversation. Father, I pray that in the year to come that we will see you answer prayer like never before. I pray that we will learn to travail in prayer. I pray that we will be a people of prayer, just like we are a people of the word, that will breathe in your words and breathe out our prayers. And God, please work. Please work in us and through us, around us. Please work.